Welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting live from the Morton Center at the, at the site of the Ag PhD field day, just concluding the Ag PhD tiling clinic. It's been a fun day, lots of questions, lots of great discussion about what's going on in different parts of the region and also around the country. We've got some folks who traveled quite a ways to be here today and so it's great to hear from them and hear what's going on in their particular geographies. Also had a, a good audience tuning in, watching the live stream, or uh, watching the live stream of today's presentation, and All right, that's so, really fun too. Yep, so our radio show today is nothing more than your questions. So if you're hearing our audience today, if you've got a question for us, just raise your hand and somebody will come around to you with the mic. And if you wouldn't mind, just give us your first name and the state that you're from. We'd appreciate that. And go ahead and ask your question. Uh, but, Darren, I know uh, you had said this morning we ended up with quite a few questions uh, that came to you. What what really sticks out to you? Well, What's number one for you? Uh, I, I guess uh, I had a couple of different questions around cover crops and a lot of interest. And, and like I said, there's kind of a diverse geography that's here today. And, and some guys say, okay, in our area, lots of cover crops grown, but we're a little bit nervous about cover crop over the tile line. And wonder what we think about that. Another another farmer had asked, well, what do you think about cover crops in general? Uh, I can see there are some benefits there. I'm a little nervous. What do you think of my crop production system? And and then finally, another one who had a really good idea. I've been using a cover crop blend. I've got some deep-rooted crops trying to break up compaction in my mix, but I also have some grass. And so what I'm doing is over those tile lines spraying 2,4-D, killing off the broadleaves just in those strips over my tile line so it's just grass that isn't going to get down into my tile line, and then I'll let the, the mix grow everywhere else. So a lot of different thoughts around cover crop and just wondering what ours are. Yeah, so first of all, with cover crop, if a person can raise that, that certainly can be a benefit. We're not in that position on a lot of our farm because we raise corn and soybeans primarily. Well, we plant corn and soybeans just after the ground thaws in the spring, and we harvest the corn and soybeans right before the ground freezes up in the fall. So I always tell people corn and soybeans are our cover crop. But anyway, if you want to raise a cover crop, there's, there's really not that big a problem with tile. The, the big thing is cover crops, for the most part, are annual crops. And yes, the roots are going to get down there, but it's not like they're going to be there and stuck there for a long time. So with tile lines, a lot of them are three, four feet down in the ground. And I don't care if you're raising grass or some what we consider deep-seeded uh, or deep-rooted broadleaf crop. The roots are probably going to find your tile lines. Even in one year, we absolutely have seen that. But when those roots get down there, they're only down there for a little while, maybe a month or two, and then that crop dies off and then everything usually will flush out. So I'm not that worried about having a cover crop out there. Generally, most people only have the cover crop out for a couple months anyway. So I don't really care what it is, where you're growing it, when you're growing it. It's not that big a deal when you're only leaving something out there for two or maybe three months. It should be, should be just fine. Yeah, I agree. When, it, when it's a short-term crop, there's a lot less risk there. I, I think about crops like alfalfa, for example, that are deep-rooted crops that are out there for a lot longer. You've got more of a risk with alfalfa than you would with the cover crops. And we haven't seen as many issues with alfalfa as I, as I kind of felt like we might. Oh, was that, was that going to be your question, sir, about alfalfa? Go, go here, go ahead. Yep. Oh, uh, yep. I think you got that mic shut off. There. Should be a red light when it's on. Do we need to worry about alfalfa over cover or over tile lines? 
All right. If you want to raise alfalfa and you have tile lines out there, I'll be honest, the longer you leave that alfalfa stand out there, the more chance you have that there's going to be roots getting in there and then dirt bunching up on those roots. And so, yes, there is more chance that you yeah, can plug more, those tile There's lines. more risk, but by the same token, alfalfa does not like wet feet. Alfalfa doesn't like to be in a yep. wet hole. So if you've got alfalfa in an area that needs drainage, it's going to benefit greatly from having improved drainage as well. So there's definitely a trade-off there. It's something that we're going to see roots get down to the tile lines. There's no question about that. But like you say, if we aren't leaving that crap out there forever, then you've got a time for those roots to decay and flush through. Hopefully you've got some slope. That would be the other thing I would say. If you've got slope to work with, you've got less risk. If you have no slope to work with, you've certainly got more. Yeah, but keep in mind, again, most tile lines are down three to five feet deep in the ground. How big, have you ever dug a root pit down and looked at how big those roots are by the time you get down to three or five feet deep in the ground? They're usually not that big, right? I mean, they're obviously much bigger in the top six, 12, even 18 inches. So yeah, we aren't super worried about it, but we would just say, hey, if you could take the alfalfa stand out in four years instead of in seven years, that'll probably help you out a little bit. Okay, got another question on the other side over here. Uh, Mark from uh, Flandreau, South Dakota. In our area in uh, 2019, there's quite a bit of cover crop being planted. Yep. And heard comments from a few neighbors, they were plugging some tie lines. You know, it yep. was kind of bunching up on the tees. Um, will that eventually flush out, or does a guy have to go and dig it up and clean it out? Uh, is it possible to flush out? It's certainly possible. But quite often, if you're seeing, hey, uh, water's really rising up here, so something went wrong, then usually we do have to go dig that up and, and at least fix that spot. You mentioned the T's, though. That's sometimes where we do see some big problems just because we got to get around a corner and it's easier for stuff to get caught up in there. So it might just be dirt. Uh, yeah, the, the roots usually will start holding back the dirt and then all of a sudden we, we've got a real issue. But uh, generally speaking, I would just say cover crops we don't have that much trouble with, but the challenge in that one year was those cover crops were out there for a really long time. So it was that was the prevent plant year, and so guys were throwing the cover crop in so they had something growing instead of uh, just nothing for an entire year. Usually when we talk cover crops, it's only a few months or a couple months. It's no big deal. But, yes, that was really the problem that year. And, yeah, if you're seeing an issue like that, you can try and wait and just see if it flushes itself out. But, you know, we had so much water, and there was a lot of water moving and so that year. So if there was a problem, I'd say you probably have to dig it up and, and just repair that spot. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, taking questions from our audience here following the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. 
With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is, profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Center today at the Ag PhD Field Day site. Just got done with the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic. I'm staring at a great big tile plow uh, just a few feet in front of me right now. And, you know, Brent, it, it really brings up a lot of questions from farmers about doing it themselves or hiring somebody else to do it. And I talked to a couple of guys today that said, man, I, I know I could save some money by doing it myself, so I'm I'm kind of holding out here till I can get the get a plow and whatnot. And I'm like, wait a second. So you got a drainage problem now? Yep, yep, I do. I, I probably got some spots out there that I won't get into. Like, why don't you just hire somebody and get it done right now and start enjoying those benefits? I I think there are a lot of things that that we hold on to. Well, I'd really like to do it myself, or I farm a lot of acres and I can only tile so many myself each year. Boy, the investment is there, the return on investment's there, whether you're hiring somebody else to do it or you're doing it yourself. Yeah, that's true. I would say what I run into more often than not is people that say, well, I don't, I just, I don't know about getting my own tile plow. Look, it was a little bit scary for us too. It was back in 2007 and that was back when everybody was using lasers. And my concern was always, how accurate are gonna, we going to be with lasers? Think about a windy day. I mean, the wind blows a lot here where we farm in South Dakota. So if you've got that laser and it's shaking just a little bit, are we going to be super accurate and can we go far because we got to then reset up lasers and all that. But we actually talked to a company, uh, SoilMax, that was developing one of the very first systems so we could run off GPS and have, uh, have our slope controlled that way. Well, that was exciting to us. And so we, we, we said, yep, we'll do it. And I was telling the story while we were uh, doing our, our workshop today about our farm manager. And our farm manager and I, we went round and round for like a year and a half, uh, you know, on tile design and everything else. And I'm like, Mike, just don't worry. It's going to be fine. You just drive the tractor. We got it set. Everything's going to be okay. The tile's going in the ground fine. But he was just worried, worried, worried. I wasn't. And so, I mean, fortunately, like on our farm, we have 
we have several people. So Darren and I think differently, but quite often if one of us is confident in it, then we move forward and the other person eventually, if it works out good, they gain the confidence over time. And now that we've been tiling ourselves on our farm for 14 years, we have lots of confidence. We can do even the, uh, the, the tough projects, the stuff with very little slope. We've learned a few lessons over the years and it's, it's worked out really, really well. I can't think of any project where we've done where he said, oh, that was a complete disaster. We got to redo it or anything like that. It's been money well spent and it's really been fun. Just it, it's something it was something a little bit different. We had never run a tile plow before on our farm. We started doing that back in 07. And man, I am glad we did because every field where we put tile in, it has just really paid. It's made it a lot easier to farm. And the thing that I kind of closed out our workshop with is it's made farming fun again for us because when we first got our tile plow, we were farming about 35 fields. We had three we could farm straight through, three. And it was all because of water. So if we just solved the water problem, then we were good to go. We got that water issue taken care of now. And it's not that we were, you know, had a lot of standing water. It's just below ground. Our yields were suffering because the water table was too high. All right, let's take another question. Oh, just want to see the red light. Josh from South Dakota. Um, I farm a field that uh, it's owned by older generations of my family. Yep. Um, they want to do some tile, but I don't know if they can afford to do a whole lot of it. And the uh, plan is that I would eventually buy it from them, the sure. ground. How would I, if I paid for it with that, you know, investing that money, but I'm going to buy the land. Yep. Eventually. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just say it's all negotiable. Okay. So it, it really depends on what you are able to get worked out with your family. The only thing that I'll tell you is this, as soon as you put that tile in there, that ground's going to be worth more money. So yeah, if but it was not, me, you know, here's go, the challenge. Here's the challenge though, Brian, is that ground is, is selling for a lot of money right now, regardless of if it has tile or not. But if it does have tile, it seems to get a premium. Yes, for so sure. So it's not like you're necessarily going to get a tremendous discount if it's not tiled. <laughs> That's the downside of this because it really should be because it really is worth more when it's tiled. But but if it's staying if it's staying within the family and and you kind of have some sort of long term deal worked out on that, that's great. Because then at that point, if you say, "Look, I'm going to put the money into this. I'll do it myself," but I can't necessarily pay as much rent if I'm taking on all of this expense or you know some kind of negotiation that way. That would be in my mind of, hey, I'm going to improve this, uh, but it's going to cost quite a bit of money here. Can we work something out where I'm not having to pay quite so much rent along the way? Or the other way to go would be to say, look, I'll continue. I'll pay normal rent, full rent, whatever it happens to be, but I'm investing X number of dollars. When I buy that someday and we have the ground appraised, can we subtract those dollars off it? Because I've already paid that. So yep, when, that'd when, be a good way when to do we it. first started getting going in tiling, we were working with some guys over in eastern Minnesota, and they said, well, Brian and Darren, do you guys know how it works here in eastern Minnesota for, for the financing side? And I said, not really. Tell me. And he goes, well, actually, if you walk into the banker and you say, hey, I got a quarter section. I need to spend whatever. Let's call it $40,000 on tiling for this quarter section. Not only will the banker just give you the 40000 almost on the spot, they will value your land at $40,000 more as well. 
So my point is, if you're going to have ground appraised, because I don't know how you're going to buy, how you're going to determine a price. A lot of times when we've done it with family, we just have it appraised by somebody. And so if you can work that out in advance, that's the only thing we would say. Otherwise, you might be stuck with that bill and, and no way to recover that. I mean, it's it's going to make that ground good, and it, it's a good thing. But yes, we totally understand when money's tight. You know, you just you want to get your things in place and try to go from there. Yep, you know that is something, Brian. We we think about a lot of farm ground, and there's certainly ground that's been in our family for multiple generations too. You think about doing the right thing now. Think about fixing problems now. How that does benefit people down the road. We get a lot of questions around estate planning and how do we transfer things to the next generation? And man, I've got uh, you know some cash here or whatever, and I've got some land and, and so forth. One of the things that we have talked to people about is, you know what, what improvements can you make to that ground? Why not invest that money into that ground? Because that's going to pass on and you're not going to be taxed on that with estate taxes and all those things. You can get some benefit for doing that tiling now and have that expense uh, go against you, yet your heirs or, or uh, you know your kids, grandkids, whoever's going to take that ground down the road, they get all the benefit of that. They basically get a whole bunch more inheritance that they weren't even counting on. Yep. As long as it isn't taken away from us someday, we'll, we'll see what happens with the estate Because you but think anyway. about that. How long is <laughs> tile going to last? We get a lot of those questions, and, and certainly we've found some old tile lines along the way, but there isn't a whole lot of that tile in our area. So much of the tile we're putting in, we're counting on that tile being around for a long, long time. Yep, 50 to 100 years. So we are still finding some 100-year-old tile yet that I'm not going to say is working phenomenally well, but it's still working. So, uh, yeah, and the stuff that we're putting in today is put in much more accurately. The material should last longer. So there's really no reason to think that, you know, three generations from now, we're still going to have a positive impact. So we mentioned a little bit earlier today, too, but, you know, I, I realize as a farmer, you got to think about the short-term profitability, but don't forget about the long-term. Don't forget about that next generation because you absolutely can make a, an enormous difference in that soil. And it's not just, oh, we've improved drainage. you got to think about overall soil health. I mean, just about any farm magazine you read anymore, they're talking soil health. And I can promise you, if you do not have good drainage, you cannot have great soil health. We have to have air in the soil for the microbes, for the plant roots, for everything that's living in that soil to do really well and thrive. And that's ultimately what it means to have a healthy soil. But it starts with that great drainage. Well, we're going to talk uh, coming up after this next break. We're going to talk just a little bit about soil tests and what you will see on soil tests that will lead you to believe, you know what, drainage is a problem. And I can tell it by what's on that soil test. We'll also talk about, all right, if we want to have high yields, what do we need those soil tests to look like a little bit and how can drainage be a part of that? Because some of these things, it's really tough to balance out if you don't have good drainage, if you've listened to our show for more than a day, you've probably heard us looking at somebody's soil test saying, well, the first thing we would do is improve drainage because that will help us fix some of these problems. So we'll get to that right after this break. We'll also continue taking questions. We are just wrapping up the Ag PhD Drainage Tile Clinic and taking questions from those, of, those folks who are in our audience. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough5AC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough5AC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough5AC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough5AC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Aralax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to Roundup Ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. You're listening to Ag DHD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Brian, right before the break, I mentioned soil tests can also often be a good indicator if you've got poor drainage. There are some things that will show up. Now, I will say this. You need to run a complete soil test. So run one that has micronutrients. Run one that has base saturation. If possible, it would be awesome to see a deeper nitrate test, for example, to see what level in your soil nitrogen's holding up. But but there are a number of things on that soil test, Brian. What do you look for to indicate a drainage issue? Yeah, it's pretty easy. You just have to think about, well, what's leachable? Well, if something is leachable, what's that tell you? It should flush out of the soil naturally. When I'm seeing high levels of nitrate, boron, sulfur, sulfur uh, that tells me almost right away, hey, we got a drainage problem out here. 
in addition to that, we'll often see high levels of sodium and salt. Uh, so sodium technically is not leachable. Uh, in order to get it to become leachable, we have to turn it into a salt. So a lot of times we'll combine it with uh, sulfur. So if you get sodium sulfate, that would be leachable. But anyway, yeah, when we see high sodium and salts, that tells us we got a real problem. Uh, sometimes when we have really high magnesium levels, that's a pretty good indicator as well that there's some kind of drainage issue out there. Magnesium makes that soil really tight. And so oftentimes when you have a tight soil, that tells us it's poorly drained as well. All right, Brian, talk to us about the salt just a little bit, because we do get questions from farmers that say, man, I'm in a kind of a dry area of the country here, but I still have these salty spots out in my field. What causes that? And why do you guys always say drainage is the fix? Yep. So if you've got salt in spots, so like even on our farm, we used to have a lot of that and we'd call them alkali spots. So the pH goes up because the salt goes up. And what happens is there's water that's evaporating from those spots because it's not draining out. So when water evaporates, it's, it's wicking that, that salt up to the soil surface. So you end up with these salt levels that are higher than what you would like to see. That's a real problem. But when, at least for those spots, and like on our farm, we have fairly decent natural drainage. We don't have to tile, pattern tile every single acre. But what we do have to do is fix at least those spots where, you know, again, that we called alkali spots. And over time, the salt levels will go down. It's not going to happen instantaneously, but we have seen pretty commonly about two-tenths of a point per year that salt will keep going down. So you just improve that drainage with the tile line and you're in good shape. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that's all you have to do. We also want to take a look at reducing compaction. You could look at overall soil organic matter. We'd like that to be better. But one of the big things is, and, and a quick fix, is calcium. Calcium is just a much bigger molecule than magnesium. Way, way bigger. And so if you've got a lot of these big, a lot of this big material, calcium, as opposed to the magnesium, you will find better overall soil porosity. So for example, there are a lot of people that will use gypsum. That's calcium sulfate. And they say, boy, my soil is a lot softer when I use that gypsum. Well, why is that? Because you have better soil porosity. You've got that calcium out there. So take a look on your soil test, and if you're seeing your calcium levels are less than 65%, you need calcium somehow, some way. Whether that's lime if your pH is low, or gypsum if your pH is high, um, or there are other sources of calcium as well, but we want to do everything possible to improve the porosity of that soil in addition to adding tile to those spots. And then, yes, over time, you will absolutely reduce that and your alkali spot gets fixed. So like on our farm, for example, uh, we ended up with, I don't know, there were, I'm going to say 20 spots that we had on our farm prior to tiling where the yield was anywhere from zero to 100 bushels per acre. Now, the good areas on our farm were 200 bushels to the acre. So just imagine if you could take a few areas that are zero to 100 and you get them to 200, which we have now done, what an impact that makes on overall average yield and what an impact that makes on profitability. So because of the spot tiling that we, we did and we started with on our farm, I, I was just saying at our, our tiling clinic here, it's probably 80% of the tile that we put in the ground paid off in one year. 
one year, not five years, not 10 years, not 15 years, like a lot of guys will talk about, you know, five or 10-year payback. No, literally one year. One year it paid off. So those are the kind of things that I get super excited about. And this is also why we wanted to do our own tiling, so we kept our costs down. We didn't have to spend a whole lot to go fix those areas. We just fixed the problem spots, and wow, that made an enormous difference. So those are the kind of things that I would encourage people to be thinking about. If you haven't put tile in the ground or you haven't put it in all the spots where you need it, at least get started. Try some. And, yeah, I realize some of these areas, as you go west, they say, oh, we don't have a lot of rain. Well, you know what? We weren't getting a lot of rain either when we started putting tile in. Sure, in 2018 and 2019, we had tremendous amounts of rain. But uh, just for example, since July 5th, I think we've had a grand total of about six inches of precip now. So that's six inches in like eight months. That's it. That's all we've had. Okay, we aren't in a super wet area of the country, but tile really, really pays, at least in those spots. All right, Brian, we get a lot of questions about high pH soils and using elemental sulfur to fix it. And we get some comments of, hey, I've used elemental sulfur. It's not really fixing my high pH. And we have other guys that say, I'd like to fix the high pH. How, how do I make that all work? Yep. So the most important thing, if you want elemental sulfur to lower your soil pH, is you have to have great drainage. And the reason why is because it takes air. There is bacteria in the soil that will break that elemental sulfur down. So I know this seems a little weird because you're like, what? I thought I just put the stuff on the ground and it dissolves and it's good to go. No, that's not the case. There's bacteria in the soil that will interact with the air and the water and the sulfur, and they will convert that elemental sulfur eventually over to sulfate, the form that the plant's typically going to take up. So in that process, if the bacteria does not have air, then we often see that elemental sulfur turning into hydrogen sulfide. Okay, we want it to turn into hydrogen sulfate. That'd be elemental or uh, hydrochloric acid, uh, or, uh, or sorry, sulfuric acid, I meant to say, uh, sulfuric acid, and that will lower your pH. But instead of that, the sulfuric acid or hydrogen sulfate, it'll turn to hydrogen sulfide. That's not good for your soil. It will smell like rotten eggs. Uh, you will have a problem in your soil. So you don't want that. You've got to have that drainage first. So before we ever talk about elemental sulfur, we have to talk drainage first. Once that's done, then yes, you could go ahead and use elemental sulfur. But here's the other thing I wanted to say. High pH is really the, the ultimate symptom of what's going wrong out there. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to say here, we've got a nutrient imbalance in the soil somehow, some way. So you wanna take a look at all your nutrients, everything from phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, your micronutrients, and you work on getting those balanced and in time, your pH probably is just going to come down naturally. But we have to have good drainage there so all the salts can leach out, so we can have good air in the soil, so your plants can thrive. And also don't forget, when you just have more crop period, crops kick out organic acids into the soil, or we often call them chelating agents. They kick acid out into the soil. So the more crop roots you raise, the more acid will get kicked into the soil and the more it'll naturally lower that pH anyway. Let's get to our next question here. Um, you're talking about um, tile and high pH and stuff like that. Yep. And I know you talked a lot about tile spacing. Yep. Like in them situations, how tight would you put the tile? And um, 
you know, what have you guys done on your farm? Yep. So we've gone as close together as probably 15 or 20 feet in a few spots. I'm not saying often, but if we've got a couple really bad spots, we'll go down to 15 or 20 feet. Um, the most we've done, probably a half field, is 25 to 30 foot spacings. And, you know, our average is probably 40 or 50 feet. All right. But it's the, the higher the cation exchange capacity, in other words, the heavier the soil, the tighter together those lines need to be. So if you just size your main correctly so you have at least a little bit of expansion room, you can start out at 50 feet or 60 feet or whatever you want and figure, all right, let's just try this, see what happens. We can always throw another line or two in. And we've done that in a few spots on our farm. You know, it's it, it, most of what we learn in life is trial and error. So you just get out there, give it a shot, give it your, your best shot in the first place. And yeah, anymore, now that we've done it a few times, I'm not afraid to spend a little more money in those few spots we've got. Because grand total, it's a small percentage of our farm. But they're a big nuisance. They're, they're, uh, that's a high percentage of our headaches, a small percent of our acres, we really want to fix them. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Step it up this season. Do more than just keep your soybean fields clean with Authority Supreme or Authority Edge herbicide from FMC. Walk those clean fields with pride and enter for your chance to win a $500 Cabela's gift card. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at stepitupwithfmc.com. Always read and follow label directions for use. Void or prohibited. Must be a legal U.S. resident and age of majority in your state to enter. See official rules for terms and conditions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. 
Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. We are back here at Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live from the Morton Center, the site of the Ag PhD Field Day that's coming up this year, Thursday, July 29th. And yes, we will indeed have the Ag PhD Field Day again. Took a year off last year because of everything happening around the world. But we absolutely will be back this year. Please make plans for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. For more information, just go to agphd.com. So we just wrapped up a tiling clinic. We like talking a lot about tiling and drainage because for me personally as a farmer, and I think for Darren too, if we get new ground, this is literally the first thing that we want to make sure we have addressed. It's the first dollar we want to spend is improving drainage. Now, in some cases, there's a little dirt work we might have to do, but for the most part, on a lot of ground that we pick up, it's just throwing more tile in that ground or throwing tile in it, period. We've got to have good drainage. The whole point here with tile is all you do with tile is lower the water table. That's it. You're not taking all the water out. You're still going to leave roughly that soil capacity of about 25% of your soils filled with water. You're still going to leave that when you tile. But what we're trying to do is lower the water table because plant roots will not grow into a water table. There's no air in that water table. And so with no air, that means no good soil microbes, aerobic soil microbes, and it means no plant roots. And we need both things if we're going to have a healthy soil, high yields, and profitability on the farm. So we do love talking about drain tile, and, uh, and that's, that's what we were going through all day today. Okay, Brian, uh, one question that hasn't come up yet. We get a lot of questions about surface ditching yep. versus subsurface drainage tile, and the question usually goes something like this. I'm doing more work on surface ditching because I can't do tile or it's really expensive to tile. What do you think about just surface ditching to try to solve water problems? Okay, well, I, I, I will say I hear quite often people say I can't tile, and I go, why can't you? And it generally, they'll, they'll say, then say something like, well, I don't have anywhere for the water to go. I'm like, look, there's always somewhere for that water to go. So let's go back and figure out what we can do because, sure, there are some temporary things that you can do. You can do some more tillage. You can run one of these, like, mole knife things deep in your ground to create a slot where some water could potentially drain out for a little while. Um, you can address calcium and, and or soil organic matter, and there are a number of things that can be done to improve things a little bit. But ultimately, if you got a drainage issue, you got to put tile in the ground. That's the only real way to fix it. So I, I would just say um, you, you can absolutely create your own slope by uh, running down into the ground and having a lift station pump stuff up. That's one of the things. You can work with your neighbors. You can talk to your county. I mean, there are a lot of ways to go about this, but if you don't get that drainage fixed, you've got a real problem. Well, if, you don't get and, sub, if you don't get subsurface drainage, right. you just don't have a place for big rains to go. They're going to run off, and with surface drain, they just run off even faster. 
which is going to create even more issues for yourself and for others downstream. Yep, exactly. So a lot of people I'll talk to, well, they'll have potholes, and they go, well, I'm going to do all this surface drainage work, and you know, then I won't have these potholes out there anymore. And I'm like, you certainly can do that. But let's keep in mind, now you are going to speed soil erosion, especially if you're doing tillage. So if you're a conventional till farmer and you're going to do what some guys will call land leveling or, you know, just creating areas for all this surface water to run off, that can create more issues than you would like. And it doesn't solve the ultimate problem of lowering the water table and creating air in the soil that you really, really need. Let's take our next question here. Josh, again, uh, a couple months ago, you told me that uh, I should probably just... um, figure out a better way to do my own strip tilling because my old guy didn't get to me. He's like, well, I'll just bought my own then, make it easier. Simple uh, three-point Not setup. easy, but just well, more predictable. It's more predictable, <laughs> yeah. And it probably saved money because of what he charged versus what I spent on it. So um, it's set up for dry, uh, liquid, and I want to try a little bit of corn and beans. I just kind of wondered, you know, if a pro-germ sugarcane mix would be good in corn, you know, and then how deep. It's a shank style, and, I've, and I, don't, I know you don't like that in the spring. Just kind of wondering your thoughts there. Okay, so first of all, the reason why we often don't like shanks in the spring is just because it's common in our region of the country for it to be cold, there's frost in the ground, it's damp until literally the day you can plant. And then we hate to have you delaying another week or two by the time you get that shank down into the ground deep enough, deeper than you're going to place your seed, that that's just that's our worry. Now this spring, the water table is very deep where we're at here in South Dakota, and the odds are it's probably going to work just fine this spring. So I think you lucked out there. And then in the future, now that you have the machine, hopefully you can get it done in the fall and everything's good to go. Um, in terms of liquid versus dry, I mean we have no issue at all with liquid. It's just that the dry pound for pound ends up being cheaper. If we're doing that way in advance, it's fine because the dry has time to break down and all that kind of thing. Where we really like uh, you know, some of these agro-liquid products, or really any liquid fertilizer, is with the planter. So you can do it with the strip-till machine and, with, and with the planter perfectly fine And also that. on a dry year. On a dry yeah. year like this, we've got a huge advantage using liquid versus dry. Just in the, from the standpoint of we've seen this before in, in our yep. time farming, that dry Absolutely. pellets just need quite a bit of moisture to really break down. On a dry year, but then also when you're going out in the spring period, because you do not have much time. There is not enough time between when you get that fertilizer out there and when you need it to be available for that crop. Uh, dry is simply not going to be ready to go at the level that you want. I mean, unless you already have really high levels in your soil or something like that, it would be a little different. But anyway, um, in terms of rates, that that can vary a lot. I mean, without looking at your soil test, I'd probably do you a disservice by telling you a certain rate. Uh, But we have seen guys use liquid. We've even used some liquid with uh, uh, spring strip till. We've done some spring strip till on our farm, used liquid. Works fantastically well. In fact, uh, rather than putting fertilizer on the planter some guys choose to do strip till in the spring and use liquid because they 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 want to keep those thing two things well, completely separate. It just adds separate. a huge yes. level of safety, and you take away another thing that could slow the planter down yep. and go wrong. I, there's a yep. lot to like about that. And then just looking at the root system, I see a lot of guys that'll do in furrow. And we've got this huge mass of roots that looks like a mohawk when you dig a plant up versus a strip till. When we dig in our strip till fields, I mean, it's a full round root mass. It looks fantastic, and ultimately it comes down to what you're going to get for yield. 
if if in furrows the way you're putting on fertilizer, I think that's fine. You just can't put as much on. No. Strip till, obviously you can put more on that way. Yep. So yeah, we do really like strip till and I, I, let me let me also say this and tie this back to drainage. So there are a lot of people that have gone in our region of the country to reduce tillage systems to try to conserve moisture. I mean, now granted, in 2018 and 19, we didn't need to conserve moisture. We needed to waste moisture. But how often does that happen in, in our region? Not often. So, you know, we did see a massive switch to no-till systems, reduced till, strip till, that kind of thing here in the last 20 years. And I think we're going to see more of that in the future. But the problem is some years it's now, because you're not doing that tillage, it's wet down below. And when it's wet down below, what do we do? We create compaction and we have issues out there. So that's part of the reason why tile drainage is more important than ever. If we want to do no-till successful, if we want to do strip-till successful, man, that, that, that tile just really helps out. So I can't say enough good things about tile drainage. Um, when we, well, during the last segment, if we have time here, I do want to talk a little about some of the environmental benefits of tile because tile gets beat up by a lot of people who, in our opinion, just don't understand what it really is, what it really does, and the benefits out there, not just for the farmer, but for everybody. It's tremendous. So I, I, I do want to get to that here in a let, little bit. Let me add one more thing too, Brian. We talked about the surface drainage just a little bit ago, and you mentioned... Yep. You've got more potential for erosion there. Grass waterways are another question that we get quite often, and that's something that, man, I don't suggest taking grass waterways out. If you've got grass waterways and you need them because you've got a lot of slope to deal with and a lot of water that's going to be running through those valleys, that's fine. But you can still use tile yes. to help those grass waterways be yep. even more successful and a lot of times that's not just running a tile line right up the middle of the grass waterway. Right. It's staying on either side of the grass waterway. That's typically what we've done, 5 to 10 feet on each side of the grass waterway. So if you look at our tile maps, you'll see in valleys, even where we have grass waterways, we are running t at least two lines up those valleys, one on each side of the valley. There's a lot to think about when you're putting in drainage tile. That's one of the reasons we had a drainage tile clinic today, and we have for a number of years now. We'll get back to more questions coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. 
AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen from conception to completion. There's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are out of the studio today. We're live from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. Man, I am excited. Oh, I'm looking out the window, though. I'm just seeing white today, Brian, but I know when we're here for the field day, it's not going to look white out there. It's going to look green, and it's going to be a lot of fun again. Yep, again, the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. It's a free event. Love to have you join us. Just go to agphd.com to learn more. But yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. We had three, just three workshops this winter that we did here at the Morton Center. We cut things back, limited attendance, everything else because of uh, the pandemic we're going through. But anyway, the workshop we did in January, it was above freezing. It was the nicest day in January. The workshop we did in February, also above freezing. It was literally the nicest day in February. And then today came. And I'm like, what? Today, below freezing, we're getting snow. Uh, it's, it's the middle here's, of March. Here's the old saying, though, Brian. Whenever there are state basketball tournaments in South Dakota, the weather just goes wild. And it's actually pretty predictable that there's going to be a storm and it's going to get nasty. You're just It's just hit or miss if you're going to hit that particular day. Okay, a couple of things here. I know you want to talk about environmental benefits yep. of tiling, but one question first, and this kind of ties in with that, is nitrate. We see a lot of press about, oh, there's nitrate in the water, and farmers are concerned, you know, are we the main cause of that? And if so, what can we do on the farm to make sure that we aren't a major cause all of right. that? All right, first of all, as a farmer and an agronomist, uh, I know two things. Number one, Farmers don't like to spend money, okay? So what I'm saying here is if you're a non-farmer and you're listening and you're thinking, oh, farmers are just throwing all this fertilizer out there and it's going down into the tie lines, no possible chance that's happening, okay? And if you don't believe what I'm saying, go test the water coming out of tile lines. The second thing that I know is the drinking water standard for nitrate nitrogen is 10 parts per million, 10 parts per million. If you're less than that, you're fine. You can test bottled water today. There's nitrate in the bottled water that you drink. 
don't be thinking that just because something has nitrate in there, it's bad. It's not. As long as it's less than 10 parts per million, everything's good to go. It's going to be fine. So when we talk about managing nit nitrate and nitrogen overall, every farmer is concerned about that because every farmer wants to use that for his crop and every farmer wants to spend as little money as possible. So there are many different strategies, strategies that we use on the farm, everything from nitrogen stabilizers to split applications and really trying to fine tune that because nitrogen is an expense on the farm and no farmer likes spending money. All right, so talking about how tile and why tile is great for the environment, and I, I guess the reason why I wanted to talk about this is just because there are a lot of people fighting tile and saying, oh, tile's bad. That's, that's ridiculous. Tile's fantastic. And here are some of the reasons why. First of all, tile reduces erosion. Now, going back into the 1930s even, for every farm out there in the world, Erosion has been a huge focus. We've got to stop soil loss. Well, after reducing tillage, the next best thing you can do if you want to reduce erosion is put tile in the ground. Because what you're doing is you're creating, when you tile in the ground, you're lowering the water table, you're creating a reservoir so rain can soak in. So then when a rain hits, it doesn't have to run off. But anyway, tiling reduces erosion by about 40 to 60%. That's been proven by universities for decades now. When, when we talk about flooding, tile absolutely reduces flooding, usually by about 15 to 30%, in some cases a lot more than that. Uh, also, I do get some people saying, oh, you're going to flood us out if you put tile in. Also ridiculous, because think about this. Why would a farmer ever put tile in? Their number one goal, the farmer's number one goal, is to increase yield. Well, if you have a higher yield, that means you're going to take more water out of the soil. There's going to be less water going downstream, I will promise you, over time as yields go up. Well, it's important to, like, like you're talking about here, is basically let's take the emotion out of this and let's look at the facts right. and see what's actually happening because everyone gets emotional up front because something's going to change. And it's I don't know why, but it seems to be human nature that if something's going to change, well, that's going to make it worse for me. Why would, we, why would we do that? Why would we want to go backwards? We want to go forwards. Yep. So what we want to do is look at the facts. Let the facts, let the science guide us. What I would encourage you to do if you're listening today is there's a really good paper that was written quite a while ago, basically a summary of 86 different studies that have been done over the last few decades, mostly by universities. So it's proven research out there. This is called Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. So seriously, you can look that up on your phone right now, on your computer right now. Just do a quick search on the Internet for Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. The authors were Heather Fraser and Ron Fleming. But you read that, and it'll go through some of these exact same things that I'm talking about, like tile reducing erosion, tile reducing flooding, and tiling improving downstream water quality. Here again, a lot of people think, oh, it's bad stuff going out of the tile water. No, or out in the tile water. No, it isn't. Soil is the best water filter that there is. So if you have tile down three, four, five feet in the ground, before water ever gets there, it's got to go through layers of soil. When it does, then contaminants are taken out. So when you test tile water, you will find that phosphorus and turbidity are dramatically reduced. Yes, there could be some nitrate in there. Most of the time, it's not a huge amount, but there could be some nitrate in there. But total nitrogen coming off fields has actually been proven to be less with tile than without. 
And then the last couple of things I'll mention, tiling absolutely improves roads because you can tell the water where to go instead of it seeping below the road and ruining the road. And then finally, tiling helps farmers maximize production on current farmland, meaning non-crop land can be kept as non-crop land for other uses, hunting, recreation, whatever. You want to have wetlands, all this kind of stuff. Let's never forget, what is the most basic human need? Other than water, it's food. Okay, And if people start running out of food, I don't care. Nobody cares about environmental stuff if they can't eat. If they're gonna, their choice is care about the environment or starve, um, they are not going to starve. I can promise you that. So my point here is simply this. If we tile in the areas that we should tile, in the right areas, the current crop areas, and we can raise more yield, we can leave all those non-crop areas as non-crop areas. We don't have to take them for food. All right, Brian, uh, had a lot of questions coming in this week about many different things, and, and probably the biggest subject that's been coming up is supply shortages. Now, I know that, that some of the people speaking about tile today, even equipment, have said, wow, steel prices are going up. Uh, the cost of tile is going up because of their raw product to make that tile. Yep. The same thing's happening with almost every input for farmers today, and yet we've got a crop to put in right now or coming up in a month down the road. Okay, I can't stress this enough, and we have talked about this several times here on Ag PhD Radio over the last couple of months. If you don't have all your stuff you need on your farm, I'm, I'm not talking at your dealer, I'm talking get it on your farm today, all the stuff you need for the growing season, you need to get that done. There are shortages. It's not like the whole world is out of herbicides. It's not like the whole world is out of steel. We have massive logistical issues today. We also have some manufacturing issues caused by different things. Everything from the rolling blackouts we saw last month to uh, just lack of workers because of COVID and all this kind of stuff. There are just lots of reasons why this is a short-term deal. But, this is not but, a long-term 10-year thing. It's a six-month kind of deal, but you got to put the crop into okay, your Okay, well, here we are, Brian. You and I have been farming for about 30 years now, and almost every year we hear a supplier telling us, oh, you know, pick your stuff up early before we're busy. This is a whole different thing right. than I might have to wait for a half an hour or an hour to get yep. loaded. This is they just don't have it. Yep. This is not a boy who cried wolf scenario. This is a really serious deal. The, the last time we saw shortages of ag inputs to this degree was 1973. That was a long time ago. I was I was pretty young. So anyway, I, I would just say if you haven't gotten everything you need, it's time. Get it done. Get it on your farm because, number one, you want the supply. But number two, it's the price. There are every single day I see another company raising price on another item. Just yesterday I was told Corteva's raising price on everything, and they didn't even know for dealers out there if they were going to guarantee what had already been ordered and guarantee that price. They said, well, we don't know yet. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, yeah, but the stuff's ordered and paid for. Yeah, well, we still might raise a price on you. That's literally what Corteva just told us yesterday. So I'm just trying now, I, please, I'm not trying to badmouth Corteva or anybody else, but everybody has rising costs. Everybody is looking at how do I recover those costs? And so there are things that are going to have to go up. So whether it's Corteva or Bayer or BSF or whatever company you work with, doesn't matter. My point is simply, hey, we're looking this year at we've got higher commodity prices. Hopefully we're going to have some good yields. And you say, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to make some money. But get your inputs now so you don't have to pay higher prices and don't run into supply shortages. 
We had a fun day talking about drainage tile and other things here at the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. Uh, really happy that, that we got to do a meeting today. Really happy for all the people that, that got to take part in that. If you ever have questions on drainage, please, please send them to us, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow.